0: Welcome to the very first episode of Gotch Watch, where we watch Gotchard and give our thoughts. I'm one of your hosts, Lan, and with me, I've got Salt, and boy, Salt, do we have a show ahead of us. So this is a show that's separate from our main show, Midnight Grappler Animals, for the uninitiated. Salt has been on his own journey of getting into tokusatsu, over the past year or so maybe um, I, f- I say a bit longer than than that but uh i figured as someone who was helping guide him along this journey that it was time to drop him into the deep end and what better way to do that than to bring him into the latest weekly show as it's coming out and so that's where the idea for Gotch Watch came from did you now mean to say here. latest and greatest latest and greatest? Uh I don't know if I said latest and greatest. Dude, would you oh, oh, you left out Sorry, the greatest? Salt. Oh, so would you say this is the latest and greatest? I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see over the the next year what we think. And that's the point. That's the point of this show is we want to give our thoughts on a show as it's coming out as opposed to watching the entire season and then summarizing our thoughts. It allows us to go deeper into the episodes and really pick apart the things that we do like and don't like and get a better idea of what modern common writer is by really going deep and that's what we want to do here but before we start i figured for the new viewers we would at least say how what our level of expertise is with common writer stuff salta i'll i'll start with you because you are sort of the uh (laughs) <laughs> the viewer analog, I guess. Sure. Uh, the
1: first Common Rider media I watched was uh, Black Sun on our main show. Uh, took me a minute to get it, but by the end I was floored. Uh, it was an incredible experience. Then we went all the way back to the beginning and we watched the entirety of Common Rider 71, which I adored from mostly beginning to end. It gets a little repetitive in the middle, but it's a genius show. We are doing our Kuga watch through right now as well. We also did the adaptations of Common Rider 71. We watched Common Rider the First, Common Rider the Next from the early 2000s, the two-part films, and then we also have our Shin Kamen Rider watching. All, all of those have episodes in our main feed because, uh, yeah, you should listen to those. We talk a lot about production and how we see those relating to other Common Riders. And then from there, I've just watched one or two episodes of other shows along the way, like uh, Dan O, Black, Forza, Zero One. So, yeah, I, I would say I'm fairly acquainted with Kamen Rider, but there's a lot of series I, I know nothing about.
0: Yeah, it's interesting hearing you, like, list it out, because I'm realizing, like, the connective tissue between all the seasons you mentioned, like Black yeah, Sun, it's fun. Black, 71. So this is, like completely out of that <laughs> wheelhouse. So yeah. when I say that we're doing a deep dive into the deep end, I, I really do mean it for Salt especially.
1: Well and the other thing we've we're doing too is we're we talk a lot about the people who make these shows, right? And like right. you know, part of the fun with when we did the not Showa movies in the nineties are our, our three writers. It was fun to talk about Keita Amamiya's growing influence there, for example. Or you know the obvious like Shitaru Shinamori's influence, and and then you know all, all our wonderful suit actors. There, there's so many great real people that guide all this, and you're going to know more about those people. Uh, for, for who's behind the scenes working on this season?
0: Right, and by the end of this episode, I'll make sure that you know two so <laughs>
1: <laughs> And and you've seen what? Have you watched every season of Common Rider? At least some no. of every season. Okay.
0: Um. So. I would say that I've seen about 90%, 90 to 95% of everything that's come out since Kuga. I've seen every Reiwa-era show. I've seen, I think with a couple of exceptions in the early Heisei era, I've watched pretty much all of the Heisei era, uh, and like you, I've watched all of Kamen Rider 1971, which... I keep saying, like, th- you have now watched more of the original show than your average Common Rider fan. I, f- I feel,
1: which, which is a tragedy because it's a brilliant show.
0: Yeah. So uh, with show us stuff, that's where I'm far more woefully unequipped. Uh, I've seen uh, a bunch of the bigger ones like V3, Black, Black RX, um, but like you give me sh- stronger, and I'm like, Ugh. oh, you know what? I have seen a fair amount of super one and amazon amazon i liked and i really do want to go back to it in full super one i think it's definitely among the bottom of common rider shows in my opinion but yeah that's that's more or less where i stand in terms of uh, expertise i guess for for common rider so yeah, what is the show going to be like? I figured that for workload purposes, especially that this is just going to be monthly uh, instead of weekly because that's just way too much work for us. We're going to cover four episodes from the previous month and we'll go right until the end of the show. So then by the end of it, we'll have watched the 40, oh, 47 to 50. That's that's usually the estimate for where things end up in terms of final episode count barring you know like i don't know covid again yeah
1: so that'll be somewhere around 12 episodes we'll be done
0: yeah let's talk about the show gotchard uh who's writing it who are main actors and suit actors are this is the the brief spiel for the uninitiated common mm-hmm. rider gotchard is our 2023 common rider season it's the fifth season in the rewa era it started airing september 3rd 2023. Just a week after the previous season, Kamen Rider Geats ended. It's slated to run for the whole year. Again, barring a few weeks for holidays and golf and whatever other excuse that TV Asahi can come up with. And it airs on TV Asahi at a 9am Japanese standard time slot every Sunday. The head writers for the season, and that's a that's a new thing. Head writers multiple are Keiichi Hasegawa, and the assistant head writer, Hiroki Uchida. So a brief rundown on both of those gentlemen. Hasegawa was the head writer on Ultraman Ginga and Ultraman Nexus. Uh, Ginga in particular was the season that started off the new gen era of Ultraman. Uh, He's also uh, written for anime. He was also a secondary writer on Kamen Rider W, Kamen Rider Forze, Kamen Rider Drive, Kamen Rider Ghost, and Kamen Rider Saber. He also wrote post-season epilogue movies for both W and Drive. Uchida, on the other hand, has written for a variety of anime and tokusatsu, including two episodes of Ultraman, one in Ultraman X and one in Ultraman Orb, and a few episodes of Garo vs. Road, before onboarding as a tertiary writer on Kamen Rider Saber and writing a variety of one-off series within the Kamen Rider universe, such as Kamen Rider Jean and Aguilera, with Girls Remix, Kamen Rider Outsiders, and Kamen Rider Juga vs. Ortega. Our action director this time is Hirofumi Fukuzawa, who is a former suit actor and action director of every Super Sentai show from 2012 to 2022. So that's everything from Go Busters up until Dawn Brothers, which ended in February of this year. It's his first time as a main action director for a Kamen Rider show, uh, but he has action-directed Kamen Rider movies and specials before, and actually last season during Geeks, he directed two episodes. So it seems like they've uh, slowly been building up his repertoire going into him being the action director on this show. Our main director this time, which um, I should note... So Salt, the thing with main directors on this show and on toy shows in general is like they are near the end of the pipeline instead of near the beginning. Oh... You'll notice their their styles and all the little things there. And they're all their little ticks, right? But in terms of the creative influence, it's not what you traditionally think of as a director. And because of that, they are much more swappable. So, like, even though I say that the main director is Ryuta Tasaki, you are going to see a variety of directors throughout the season. Got it. On the other hand, our special effects director is Hiroshi Butsuda. Who has held this role for every Common Rider series since Common Rider Saber, which is the 2020 season? So he's been at this for about four seasons now.
1: You know, uh, a lot of these people that we've mentioned are extremely capable people. A lot of them are. Just have that in your mind.
0: So it's really working on the prefacing here. Our theme song this time is Kemi X Story by the band Back On, who've done a variety of theme songs for anime Gundam fans. Gundam fans in the audience, hello? You might know them from their Gundam Build Fighter openings, but they most recently did an insert theme for the Common Rider Geats character Kamen Rider Tycoon. We'll get into insert themes later, uh, but they did an ze- insert theme chair last season. Our suit actor, because we love suit actors here, our main suit actor for Gotchard is Eitoku, our longtime suit actor for many secondary and extra writers. It's the first time he's got the opportunity to go solo as a main writer, and I say go solo because technically he was a main writer when he played Vice in Common Rider Revice. Um, but honestly, that's better left ignored and forgotten, much like the producers did when they announced that Gotchard was gonna be his first time as a writer. <laughs> I find it funny that they <laughs> retcon that. <laughs> In the official announcement. Like a reality retcon. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, Eitoku, great job. This is your first time ever portraying a, a main common Rider. Great work. <laughs> but, you know, we love Eitoku here. Uh, you haven't experienced him much, but you will, Salt. Our main actor here is Junsei Motojima. He's aged 18. He was born in 2005. I feel like I should mention the, the ages here before I mention some of our notes on their acting, just because I don't want to... When I was doing this, I'm like, I don't want to bully kids. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. This is my prefacing. It's his first role as an actor, and he belongs to Amuse agency. It's the former agency of Takeru Sato, who played our protagonist in Kamen Rider Den-O, and Shu Watanabe, who played our protagonist in Kamen Rider-O's, as well as a ton of other former Kamen Rider actors. Our main female lead this time is Reiyo Matsumoto, who is age 15. She was born in 2008. Salt, are you feeling old yet? Eh,
1: kind of. I work with kids professionally, so it's fine.
0: All right, cool. Yeah, it's also her first role as an actor. Uh, she belongs to Rising Production Agency. Now, this is the interesting one, because Rising Production... Is primarily an agency for musical talent, uh, but they recently seem to have started branching into acting talent. For longtime fans of the show, uh, they're the agency that Da Pump belongs to. We love Da Pump. We love Da Pump. Oh, yeah. We, you you do have experience with Da Pump. Yeah. Common uh, writer the first and the next. Common writer the first and the next. We love Issa. Issa. Yeah, I had nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive right in episode one so for this episode our writers we've got keiichi Hasegawa and hiroki uchida our head writers doing double duty they're both writing this episode in conjunction our director is our main director ryuta tasaki to summarize this is just our intro episode this is our first episode it intros our main writer and the immediate supporting cast and the world and it gives us our first fight you know giving us uh a look into the season's gimmick. <laughs> Salt, first thoughts, drop them.
1: <laughs> oh, there's so much I want to hear from you, man. But yeah, my first thoughts I didn't know what this would be. I had seen Land post one image of Gotchard himself. And frankly, I did not have high hopes. I. Did not care for the gotchard suit design that already had me a little bit sketched out. But going in, I, 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 I was gonna have an open mind. <laughs> it's, oof. Oof, okay. Here's the thing. The, the so, common writer shows have uh, the tone has become increasingly more juvenile over the years. And that's though, not necessarily a bad thing, I should right, say. Right, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because the original show is aimed for a very young audience. But when I say mm-hmm. more juvenile, the the tone and what is deemed acceptable for kids has changed. So I- in some ways, I feel very aged out of this show. But I'm <laughs> totally open to watch a thing like that, this. Like, you know, I can like, watch a kid's thing be like, all right, this is a fun kid's thing. I I kept an open mind uh, until the train showed up. I I, I want Yeah, that's like the second time
0: you've you've kept an open <laughs> mind until a CGI train shows up.
1: <laughs> yeah, the difference though with Deno is there was so much other cool stuff I could forgive the CGI train. Oh, okay, uh, we'll we'll include this in our show notes. But there's a shot of uh, our pro tag running along the top of a train and then he has to jump off of it and it's it's. This is my go-to when the the CG and the compositing is a nightmare. It's very Tim and Eric looking. Just nothing is lining up. It's just drag layer two over layer one. There's there's no motion blur. This is like baby's first After Effects project, a lot of this. My my main series note that I realized in this first episode is this feels very algorithmic. This is like Common Writer NFT. This is Harry Potter meets Pokemon. Like, there's this vague magic setting. It's going to be about alchemy, you're told. But then you meet all these creatures that are basically Pokemon, and the alchemy isn't figuring in very much. What I'm saying is, Tonally, thematically, there's a lot going on here, and very little of it is cohering in this first episode. Woo. Yeah, those are my initial thoughts. That's my initial thoughts. Ch- my, I, got more, I got more, but I, I, I really do want to hear what you have to say, because I, I would love to know what kind of hopes or expectations you had going in, and <laughs> what it was like working through this episode
0: so I've learned to not expect a lot out of Common Rider in recent years just in general uh just going in with low expectations and sort of letting the show impress me as it goes along and I usually don't have a definitive stance on a show nowadays until like the the 10th episode because by then i'll really have a feel for what they're trying to go for with uh, the season so i went into gotchard just expecting the very bare minimum is it good and when i initially watched it i was like okay yeah this is very very baseline good but since then i've re-watched the first episode I I wanna say like three or four times, and each rewatch <laughs> each rewatch has just worsened the show for me. <laughs> I think the one thing though I will say is that even on the first rewatch, I'm like, yeah, this is the this is definitely the weakest first episode of Common Rider we've had in a long time. Even when I was, you know, firmly in the stance of, yeah, this is good, I was like, Yeah, this was good, but this was total weak sauce in terms of a first episode now that we've gone and watched four other first episodes for our proverbial episode zero i absolutely hold true to that i think this might be the worst (laughs) or the weakest first episode in 15 years maybe definitely bottom of the barrel for sure and it really is a case, and this is something that I feel like I'll be repeating throughout this episode, is like, I really do want to like this show. There's a part of me that really, really wants to like the show, but I think I'm at a point as someone who watches Common Rider where I can only afford the show so many opportunities before I just have to write it off. Again, when you've been watching this weekly for... I took a break in the middle, but I, I've been watching it weekly again for about five or six years now. And you, you really, your tolerance, I think, changes. Again, maybe it's, it is one of those things where when you watch it all in one go after, it's a lot better. But when you're watching it weekly, you have to give your thoughts weekly. Your opinion of the show changes on a weekly basis. So... Yeah, on, th- on that front, uh, ooh. I will say, unlike Salt, though, I do appreciate the base design of Gotchard. Yeah, that's fair. That is probably the <laughs> nicest I'll get with the Gotchard suit design here. I really do like the base suit. I, I can tell which parts are a grasshopper, which parts are uh, a train, and the helmet especially. I like the fact that it's just like the the Ichigo helmet on top of his regular visor. I don't know if you you noticed that part, but I did not. You look a little closer. Like it's basically like the the top part of the Ichigo helmet on top of the visor. Oh yeah,
1: I, I can kind of see it. I think my issue with it is it, it's it's very busy and it's hard for me to appreciate those things, especially when it's in motion.
0: Mm, mm. On the on the busy note, I think I, I have some, <laughs> I have a lot of pushback in later episodes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for my. Initial thoughts. Let's let's start diving right into it. Yeah,
1: yeah. So these these chemis, man. Like, I don't know what we're doing here. Like, they they don't relate to alchemy in a meaningful way. Uh, there doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason as to what constitutes a chemi, and that doesn't necessarily need to be explained. That could be something that they kind of like tease out but you know when you watch Pokemon the idea at least with the first few seasons is these are all loosely based on either a real animal or something an animal from myth the chemis are all over the place there's a grasshopper there's a praying mantis but there's also a train and a skateboard. You're like, okay, so it seems like animals, transportation, but then there's like a can of soda. <laughs> like, like, if that can be a chemi, could a shoe be a chemi? Like, I-
0: well, they have, and this will play into the toy line later, they have specific categories yeah. for the chemis. There's six main categories right now, and Apparently, there's going to be four more categories, so get ready, salt. But yeah, they 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 are c- categorized. There's an insect one, a vehicle one, an animal one, a plant one. I think one is called job. Yeah, I for some reason,
1: I, yeah, it's, yeah, I didn't even go in wanting to make this joke, but just saying it now, I'm realizing like I hate that it's the the South Park joke because I I hate South Park, but this feels like something that South Park was like predicting mm-hmm. when they did their Pokemon parody. Um mm. yeah I, you know it's not something i'm going to inherently write off but then when you see them you, there's two forms they take there's the cg which is like really bad and then you also get the plastic ones sometimes and those are just complete toy ads that aren't adding anything to the story yeah you know
0: i mean i do think that the hopper puppet is cute oh it's I cute for that, sure but like yeah i i understand what you mean it is literally a toy
1: right and if it was a better puppet it can move around it can make expressions but it's completely static right and then
0: yeah you wish you were barry from jay
1: yeah he's that's what i'm talking about yeah so these <laughs> these these chemis I, I don't know what's going on the the whole alchemy thing could be really cool like there's a lot of interesting places you could go with alchemy but it basically feels like a hogwarts ripoff they're doing um again it's all it, it it would make so much more sense in like i don't know 2009 something like that when pokemon and harry potter were like really hot i guess they still are so that's why this thing exists
0: yeah we need to we need to cancel jk Rowling harder (laughs) so we can uh, prevent things from
1: happening like this We, we really do um you have a note here that i think really sums up a lot of my frustrations too you said um clotho the actress playing her is she's like a real kickboxer
0: oh she is an absolute kickboxer the actress kanan Miyahara, she is like a professional kickboxer irl uh, and I, I, I know this uh, because I do my research. First. That's, that's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> Did you, Miyahara? <laughs> thank knocked-
1: you, Lan, for doing your part. I mean, the thing with Miyahara, like, she's she's like a perfect microcosm of the show. Like, she's she's mm, talented, she's like, she's given her all, and yet there's this shot where she's taking off the veil the villains wear, and she's like blinking because clearly it got stuck in her eye. Like,. Do another take. <laughs> and then I really like your note here about how, you know, when she's in her human form, she's got she's like hitting away with these kicks. She's doing these really high kicks like Yeah. hitting
0: everybody with in the fantastic sun. kicks. Yeah, it's great. Truly fantastic kicks. Man. And
1: then then what happens when she turns into Comantus?
0: can you believe that the number of kicks in her choreography <laughs> drops to fucking zero right and it, it's literally just arm waves once she becomes a command amalgam. and you
1: and i were just talking about other common writer seasons where there's a really great synergy of our suit actor copying the mannerisms of our real of, of our out of suit actor right
0: and we even get that here you know, sure. like, we even get that here.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and so it just, it feels like this lack of attention to, to detail. I, yeah, th- This this brought up some very negative emotions from me. <laughs> Having seen so much good common writer. this this felt like something else. But yeah, I'll, I'll turn yeah. it back to you before we move on to episode two.
0: Uh, I'm going to skip over my note where I asked Clotho played by kanan Miyahara to step on me and i'm gonna go straight towards actually i gotta skip over the part where i say that the middle sister is a dilf lover i gotta skip over that note too <laughs> um yeah the, the first note i have is that the wall of kemi cards that you see when fuga our, our, our dad this season manages to escape it really just cements just how exploitative this this goddamn gimmick is he manages to escape the grasp of these uh, sisters and he manages to get to platform nine and three quarters, where he's met with this wall of like a hundred Kemi cards, which is the gimmick item this season. And watching that, I'm like, oh, so that's how much we have to collect this season, don't we? Man, like when I think about the cold open of first episodes in Common Rider, you know, usually the, there's a pretty sick hook. You know, like when we watch the Forze first episode, there is that scene with the astronauts punching on the moon (laughs) hell yeah yeah fighting on the moon right and in uh w you have the amazing begins night sequence and again i don't want to compare this to them but like on the basis of just being a cold open it starts off very good you know and I, i was like oh i'm getting into this and then the chemis start coming out and it just turns into like pure pokemon shit you know it goes from Clotho kicking fuga and you you have this like great choreo, you know, where where Clotho's like kicking a fuga in the abdomen and you know he's recoiling. But then he brings out the cards and then it turns into Clotho kicking a bunch of CGI. And you're just like, "Oh, the energy just dissipates so so quick."
1: Absolutely. And these things feel so low-rent. I mean, you know, we make the Pokemon comparison Partly because there have been so many Pokemon clones, and there's been a lot of successful Pokemon clones. Like, if you look at Mm -hmm. Digimon. Don't say it. Don't
0: say it. Oh, he said it. Well, what's wrong with saying that? What, What did I do? I don't, you're going to get a whole bunch of Digimon fans in our mentions, all five of them. No, no, I,
1: I have good things to say about Digimon. Um, <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I, I know, I know. It's just
0: that like calling it a Pokemon clone is just inviting oh, yeah, a, sure. a very specific contingent of people in our... In our yeah, comments. no,
1: I don't mean that insulting in the slightest. Like, I can enjoy both things for what they are. But what I mean is Digimon and Yu-Gi-Oh!, they, they had distinct art styles. I think they got really far on that is what I mean. Mm, and yeah. this this very much feels like <laughs> you know you can get those royalty-free sound bites you can use on your youtube like <laughs> these are your royalty-free pokemon <laughs> like that's
0: just how these feel the kevin <laughs> <of, laughs> <and> Mon <Fakemon. laughs>
1: yeah there's there's nothing here with them like there's not an interesting art style and there's been so many cool artists who have worked on the common writer franchise it's it just makes me sad, man.
0: For what it's worth, some of the card designs are actually pretty nice. I like the ape. and The ape, Gorilla Sensei. Uh, I'll have so many thoughts on Gorilla <laughs> Sensei when we get to that episode, I think. But, uh, yeah, the, w- when you look at the actual cards themselves, and I have some of the cards with me uh, here in my room, out of reach from me, they they are nice, I will say, but none of that niceness in the card art translates to the cg art yeah that we see in this episode and i want to make that distinction because like you see something like Skabo's, and it's like this very nice cool energetic uh very detailed skateboard and then you go into the show itself and it's like a jpeg that they're like translating across the screen so yeah that was the first thing i need to talk about the acting <laughs> in this show I shouldn't
1: laugh go ahead
0: I mentioned before that I don't want to bully these kids because they're trying their best they're clearly trying their best but in terms of the learning curve that writer actors have I think this is the steepest that that learning curve has been in quite some time Joe Otagiri has said that Common Rider is a great uh, boot camp for aspiring actors to like cut their teeth on the weekly show uh, format and sort of improve their skills uh, through basically a trial by fire right but in this case it feels like i'm really trying to like choose my words here the acting isn't great mm. yeah, i think i don't know if it was something that you could pick apart salt or like was that something that you noticed
1: oh i i totally noticed i i find our okay. protagonist well. repulsive
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> okay well see this is where we got to the good cop bad cop thing uh, I think that our protagonist, Hotaro, has some charming traits <laughs> down the line.
1: We'll put it that way. No, and I am the same as you. I don't want to pick on such a young actor. I, I really don't think it's the actor's fault at all.
0: No, I mean, I think the material is part of it. Yeah. Uh, but I think in Junsei Motajima's case, when he's playing Hotaro, I think that knowing how to do a good yell and a good scream is a very key talent for an actor and I don't think he's quite pinned down what a good scream a good yell just like projecting his voice I don't think he's gotten that down yet he's no Aruto and that... yeah he's no Aruto and I think that that would be fine if he wasn't given material that requires him to yell so often yeah Yeah, so that's that's that for him. But like, aside from like the resting smiley face that he's got, that like is very consistent. It's almost kind of scary how consistent he is with his smiling. I don't have like too many notes for him. I think most of my acting notes are for our female protagonist Rin.
1: Now, Lan's gonna be Uh, mean about a fifteen-year-old. Great.
0: Come on, (laughs) come on! Just
1: the child bully is here. (sighs) It's fine. Again,
0: I want, I want these kids to do better like i want the best for them right like i don't i don't say this from a place of like oh these guys suck but like (sighs) i get that they want rin to be this very like stoic standoffish cold character especially in relation with hotaro right but between the direction that she's being given and her ability or lack thereof uh to really stretch her her skills in terms of emoting. Rin just comes off as really, really stiff here. Super, super stiff. Like when we were watching Zero One, that first episode, and I was thinking about how Iz, or Izu, who is a literal robot, has more emotion than this high schooler. Uh, Yeah, it's... Hmm. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but you know... If- I mean, okay, like the other thing is, I again, you can say, you can hand wave it and say that it's just a child actor thing and yeah it's fair you know they are child actors they they have so many years and room to grow but then you get other child actors in this show that run circles around them like the literal nine-year-old that plays the eldest sister of the three sisters who is just running circles around Rin when it comes to acting and I'm just like oh come on yeah at least put her next to someone else who can't act for sure and
1: you can compartmentalize it however you want but like for me like both Rin and Hotaro it's like maybe you're going to have an exceptionally good younger actor but i think a lot of this show's problems just feel like cynicism from the production end they just didn't care to like make a product that feels more soulful more more alive
0: yeah getting more takes i guess yeah things like that yeah there are a lot of like it's not to say that acting's bad across the board. There are a lot of great actors this season. Uh, Fuga's great. The the, the dad, he's, he's fantastic. I really wish there were more of him. Because, uh, you know, like, how do I word this without, like, getting psychosexual about it? Uh, every time he was on screen, it was, like, a very comforting presence. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll put it that way. It was a very comforting presence every time he was on screen. Um and the other actors like uh the guy that plays uh Hotaro's friend Kajiki. So I later googled, you know, like his previous experience and turns out that this guy's worked with Mamoru Hosoda before. I don't know. Who the,
1: that guy is. That Children, oh, the guy that made Wolf Children. the guy that made Wolf Children,
0: Mirai, the Digimon movie. Yeah, yeah. And he's got like a whole bunch of experience working like J dramas and so on and so forth. What are you doing here, bud? Yeah. But what are you doing here this is the this is the boot camp this is the boot camp get out of here go go do some go do some more iconic work (laughs) uh yeah i mean the the actors the other actors are great that's that's my 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 bottom line i just really wish that they did more training with our main actors before they started like i'm sure they'll get training as they go along right And I'm sure that by the end of this season, I'll probably have far less complaints about the acting in general. But here, you're right. It really does feel like a failure of the production to not support and sustain these these actors.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've got more things I could say about episode one, but I can easily leave those things to other episodes.
0: Quick thought, perfectly missed opportunity to do wire work when Clotho jumps out of the portal both times. There's a part where... Fuga is turning to Hotaro while holding off the sisters. And there's like a weird zoom in. And that was weird. Ryuza Tasaki, what were you thinking about that? What, what, why Why? Why did you need that zoom in there? Otherwise, Ryuza Tasaki's work is fine for the most part. I actually did like the, the direction during the part where Hotero meets Hopper 1 for the first time. Uh, it's It really reminds me of his work on The Next. Like with how grimy it's shot. So that was good. Yeah, the my major issue is with the first fight the first fight has zero sauce stinks when you think about the first transformation it's supposed to be like this triumphant moment as our hero becomes common rider right here the first form we see the first transformed version of gotcha that we see is the wild form we need to get into what the wild forms are so So the suits are designed in a way where you have a human form, which is the physical suit. And then there is a CGI abomination that is supposed to be like this sort of amalgam, uh, no pun intended, of the two components. So in this case, we have a grasshopper wild form that kind of looks like a train, but doesn't really look like a train. And that's the first form we see in this fight. Zero sauce horrible way to start your fight and then we have what you said before about clotho uh becoming the mantis malgamum where all her choreo just gets thrown out in favor of just her swinging her arms so that's another point against this one Uh, another thing is so both common rider and super sentai have had this one 360 cam that they use it's a very (laughs) shitty 360 cam (laughs) they've used it for like six or seven years now and instead of investing in a better camera or like working in better camera technique, they decided to just fucking strap it onto a drone. And it just makes the 360 shots we see in this episode all the more of a headache. One nice thing I'll say about this battle is that Eitoku is great as Gotchard. That's really not a surprise. This is a guy with almost 20 years of experience in the the industry. So he's he's great as Gotchard, but I think the material he's given to work with here isn't great. And this is where my heart hurts a lot because the action director this season, Hirofumi Fukuzawa, uh, was the action director on Dawn Brothers, uh, which is a season that I absolutely adored and had fantastic fights. And to see him go from like directing that, these fantastic fights, to this, it just breaks my heart. I don't know if it's just that he isn't being given room to really stretch his legs, or if it's something else, but I watched this episode, and it really just didn't feel like any of the people that were involved. Like, the long-time creators that were involved with the making of this show it didn't feel like their heart was entirely there and then two last notes the main theme kemi x story pretty fun theme pretty good theme very shonen anime theme doesn't work as a battle theme for me it just doesn't have that specific energy that i think a battle theme should have uh so making that the one battle theme for this entire final battle or first battle i should say uh not a great move and my final note damn i will step in for hotaro's father and help out with the kitchen Because man his mom (laughs) moving on to our production notes because we do look at production notes for this show i want to fire off some quick production notes so our first production note is that they didn't want people to compare this show to blade or decade which are two Mm. other seasons with card gimmicks well you haven't seen either of these shows (laughs) so i guess you can't really say much there but yeah another uh another note is that the show's name started with the toy gimmick like gotcha like uh you know got you know gotcha games yeah yeah right yeah before moving into the idea of a gacha, the <laughs> gotcha the g o t c h a to really hammer home just how toy oriented or toy focused the show is third uh hotaro is meant to be the epitome of modern youth active wild and willing to try new things i think this sort of it does miss. One point that I want to make is the idea of not having a, a direction or a locus in life. You have that section with him not filling out the career homework page, right? Where he doesn't know what he wants to be. Like, he doesn't know what career he wants to pursue in life. And I think that directionlessness is a good thing to hone in on. I think with modern teenagers especially, I feel that sort of trepidation and sort of uneasiness about the future I think it's a good thing to hone in on. Uh, and I think for the the intended audience of this show, I think that's something that they can grab onto. Uh, but that's the concept. The concept of that. The execution is... Uh, yeah. Another thing from the production notes is that they wanted to do something different to what came before. A literal god of a main character. No, I will not elaborate on that. And what was happening across the pond in Super Sentai, which is a season full of kings. So they decided to go and fly in the face of both of those concepts and landed on the idea of a regular-ass boy. So the first time we see Hotaro he's humming a tune, and the tune is actually a an actual song. It's not like something they came up with for the show, it's... Uh, Misato Watanabe's My Revolution which is a, apparently a very famous 80s j-pop tune you should uh, listen to it it's actually quite nice one more note is that they wanted to focus on Rin being on equal standing to Hotaru as the female protagonist in part to make it appealing to both boys and girls uh, something that the series had started moving towards with the previous two seasons and some neat little production notes for the text Here is that the alchemy font and the text that we see here is done by Ishimori Productions' Hideki Tajima, who designed the suits for every main writer from Forze to Drive. I know you have thoughts about the Forze suit, so (laughs) take that as you will, Salt. Yeah, I think
1: the, the text here is maybe one of the better artistic choices.
0: Yeah, I think so too. In terms of alchemy, the approach that they wanted to take with alchemy is the idea of giving life to the lifeless and i guess we'll have thoughts on that next episode especially and finally in terms of our voice actors here we have misato fukuen who voices our main friend hopper one she was uh, the voice of sechan in kikai Zing Kaijer, for anyone who's seen that uh, she's also the voice of sakura in street fighter so those are your production notes it's an a la carte selection of notes that interested me and we'll be doing this for every episode and on that note let's move to episode two Episode two, we've got Hasegawa and Uchida again. We've got Tasaki again as our director. Synopsis for this episode is really just fleshing out more of the lore and the mechanics of the show and the world. And in terms of iconic or notable things that happen, this episode, we've got the debut of our bike. We've got the debut of a new form. And we've got the debut of our first insert theme, Rising Fighter, sung by the common Rider Build opening singer Beverly. Salt, what are your thoughts on this episode? This is where we
1: first see the opening, and the the opening feels very much like an anime opening in terms of stylistic choices, which got me, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit daydreaming. If this show was an anime, would I be more open to it? Um, a lot of the mm. the choices the actors are being asked to make could work better in animation. So, just interesting thought experiment. Um, you know at one point I uh made a comment about Kuga being really toyetic and I have to completely rescind that <laughs> like this episode made me realize like what a toy ad I was watching uh I got I got thoughts on the skateboard um a skateboard kaijin is something I I could love it could be really cool but even before we get there like you know, we talked about this, this CG being weak, which it is. The The CG uh, skateboard, not great. That practical skateboard, though, like, what are we doing?
0: <laughs> it is hilarious. It Like, for me, it really did the whole <laughs> so bad it's good thing. Yeah. Where they're like, yeah, what are we going to do to represent this skateboard? Or, sorry, the the skibos. Kemi yeah. taking over the skateboard yeah we're just gonna tape two eyes to a skateboard <laughs> it's so cheap looking it's so cheap but like maybe I, I've cooled down on it now but I think in another show I think it would have been really really charming yeah. just to have the skateboard with two eyes for
1: sure uh back to the kaijin itself man like a skateboard kaijin on another season of Kamen Rider could be so cool but like this thing is it's just so weak sauce like you know, we we have to broach the topic too of the fact that all of our kaijin kind of look like the same guy, which is really unfortunate.
0: Yeah, uh, I've got so much uh, to say about. I
1: know that. you know about that, <laughs> but then like, he, there's just there's nothing going on with him. Like his face is a skateboard, and his hands are skateboards. Like they couldn't think <laughs> a little more abstract. Oops, all skateboards. <laughs> <laughs> or like you know make him look like a a skater like i I feel like kuga could have done something with that um it's just
0: (laughs) an ancient skateboard warrior right yeah that would be so cool (laughs) i would love that but then even when he's in motion too like he he barely does
1: much skating and he turns into cg mid-fight like where's the half pipe battle where's like the kick flip battle like
0: yeah. It, where is the half five yeah, Damn. It's
1: not there. Um yeah, so I, I only really have one more note and it's uh, this one somehow pissed me off more than the first one. Probably no. Probably because like the fights and bike scenes started off with some juice. I was excited for the bike, but then it just devolves into incomprehensible CG slop. Like my eyes cannot follow what's going on
0: there. So I for me I think this is a marked improvement on the first episode for me. But in terms of the bike, you went into this with hope. I went into this with pragmatism. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw that bike, I'm like, yeah, this motherfucker's is not getting used for more than five minutes this entire fucking season. <laughs> I'm like, enjoy what you got right now because we're not seeing this goddamn bike for... Pretty ever. sure we
1: got like three shots of it before it was all CG.
0: Yeah. Just the notes I have in general, because I really don't have much to say this episode. I found that Rin doing a 180 on her, like, interactions towards Hotaro was weird. Like, in the first episode, she's very standoffish, and, like, she doesn't want anything to do with Hotaro. And then this episode, she's, like, suddenly supportive, and, like, I don't know if it was just something that I missed while watching it or what. But, yeah, like, she, she starts getting, like, super... And I get that it's supposed to be because she's supposed to be the exposition this episode. She is like the the conduit for a lot of the exposition and the world building this episode. But like if you're going to do that, either build her up as someone supportive of, of Hotaro from the very beginning or just give the exposition to someone else so that you don't have to have Rin sort of going back and forth on how she feels towards Hotaro. Uh, there's some real bullshit math going on. Uh, you've heard of girl math. You've heard of boy math. This is kemi math, and chemi math fucking sucks. <laughs> I could not for the life of me figure out what kemi math was was doing. You got all these numbers and just not adding up. One, like, nitpick, very CinemaSins-ass nitpick I have here is they're carrying money in a regular-ass truck. It's not even like an armored truck or anything. It's just some backlot truck that they found, and they're somehow carrying like a million dollars in the back. And this pushes back on the production that we read from last time for the last episode. So they, they note or they say explicitly in the episode, inanimate objects could give birth to living creatures. Are grasshoppers <laughs> not living creatures already? Yeah,
1: I couldn't make heads or tails of what they were saying there.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I already said what I have to say about the the bike. I went in expecting disappointment and I got disappointment it's a nice bike i will say it's just a tad busy but gold dash call me i can i can do so much better for you (laughs) (laughs) i can show you the world (laughs) uh yeah my final note here is about odori mantis the form that debuts this episode and it just gets shafted with a wild form exclusive form it's not even like a 3d cg it's Literally, just a 2D JPEG translating across the screen, and that is apparently counted as a main form for Hotaru. Yeah, gotcha. we haven't talked a Why? lot about
1: these wild forms, man. And, and the fact, like you said, that they can count as main forms, like they are ugly.
0: Zero sauce. They've, and so I should note, they've done this before. This isn't the first time they've tried this, like, abomination. <laughs> Uh, Made out of the main suit. They did this literally two seasons ago with Revice. Revice had this thing called Remix Forms where our two main writers, Revi and Vice, uh, get in like weird positions that can honestly, in some cases, be considered Kama Sutra and make like animal abominations. Actually, hold on. Let me go, let me give you a picture uh, because I will show you just how much of an abomination these are. I'm going to drop this in. I guess I'll put this in the Ooh, show notes too. God. But yeah, this was just two seasons ago and they looked at this and they're like, you know what, actually, let's do it again. <laughs> so that's what we uh we're getting again and, and this time is done even worse. But yeah, the the insert theme is nice, I guess. I guess. I guess. Yeah, it's gets a good theme. It's a good theme. Yeah. Beverly's a great singer. Uh yeah, so production notes for for this time. Uh, probably the wildest of the production notes the production notes this time start with the first line of franz kafka's metamorphosis and then it goes on to explain that apparently metamorphosis helped inspire the wild forms in this series
1: all <laughs> right franz so... kafka you would have loved common
0: writer gotcha I... <laughs> Like, I was flabbergasted. (laughs) I'm like, is that why he turns into a grasshopper when he transforms for the first time? Is that what they are trying to go for? Because... Oh, Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, They also acknowledge how jarring Odori Mantis being a wild form or a CGI exclusive form is and are apparently looking into other methods of representing the wild forms without resorting to CGI, whatever that may entail. So, look forward to that, Salt. That gives me some hope. Yeah. A nice little cameo fact is that the subordinate that our villain of the week throws off a bridge. This episode is actually played by a suit actor, Kotaro Kaji. He's uh, one of the many suit actors in Japan Action Entertainment's stable. And then finally, I've got two notes about set design here. So, Hotaro's friend Kajiki carries around a book, a magazine with him. And so a member of the art department, uh, Sakura Kobayashi, was apparently behind the design of the magazine that he carries around with him. And I want to say apparently, because they put a more high-res version of the magazine's cover in these production notes, and that cover just reeks of AI. The dead eye stare on that one creature at the very top right. Yeah, looks lazy. Yeah, just... Pure AI bullshit. But on the other hand, we have the design of the storybook that Fuga is reading to Rin uh, in this episode. And the art there is actually pretty good. It's really nice art. You know, it's a very stylized sort of... It reminds me of Matthias Bergera's art in some ways. If you've read Coda by him and Simon Spurrier, uh, you can see some of that there. But uh, yeah, it's just weird putting these two books side by side. It's like Hydrogen Bomb versus coughing baby uh one more thing is that bandai apparel helped with designing the alchemy academy student outfits uh which probably makes sense because they're now selling replica versions on premium bandai of those outfits for just the most ungodly price salt do you have a thousand dollars to spare on a replica alchemy academy outfit absolutely not that's why you should subscribe to our patreon so we can afford (laughs) these uh these premium bandai digs uh in terms of gold dash they mention common black's battle hopper as an inspiration for gold dash being a sentient bike the idea there being is the idea be- there being that they wanted you to grow an emotional attachment to the bike itself but given that we're probably not going to see this bike ever again uh, yeah so uh, episode three uh, we've got Keiji Hasegawa going solo on this episode uh, we've got a different director this time we've got Kyohei Yamaguchi uh, and the only notable thing here is that it's the debut of Valvarad and also the another form I don't care anymore <laughs> what are your thoughts Salt Valverad was your favorite character right yeah, I think Valverad's sick. I love when grown men beef with children. It's like, I love It's a sick dynamic.
1: Yeah, and you like the way he uh, talks to the other children, right?
0: I will get into that. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get
1: into that. No, Valverad was really the only source of joy I had, mostly because I thought his fit was sick. I, I like a character who dresses like a scumbag. Sick, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I I love how the Alchemy Academy is supposed to be like the secret thing, <laughs> and then this guy just wears the like school logo yeah, on yeah. the back of his jacket for everyone to see. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, I did have one nice thing to say. I did like Hotara's background as a chef coming through in this one. Uh, it's something I'd like to see more of. Mm. Um, yeah,
0: I love the kitchen scenes so far.
1: Yeah, kitchen scenes are good. They they are cooking in every sense. Um, this show just this episode raised just a lot of questions for me like with the chemis it seems like hypothetically our writer could have thousands of looks since you can mash up any two um but I, I except you can't I, I, theoretically but I just I don't care for any of these designs so far and I, I really didn't like this one he's supposed to be a samurai and a skateboard but he's got like race car pipes like that's that makes no it makes no yeah. sense
0: like you see the skateboard design influence in the feet that's about but it. But nowhere else. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah it, skateboarding samurai on paper could be so sick and that's not what this is.
0: Yeah. And I wonder if a large part of that is like working it around the toy gimmick too. Right. Because they have a whole gimmick line of toys where like you can transform between the main rider and then take the pieces off to make the wild form. Mm. So I feel like designing around that definitely helped limit what they could I do with see. the design. Of I, I had this toys form. like
1: that when I was a kid.
0: I mean, it's a cool concept. Yeah, and
1: my last note is I'm just sick of these kaijin. They all look like the same guy. They all have this same silver uh, base. There is a sort of interesting thing where all of them have at least one extra arm, if not two extra arms, but there's not much they're really doing with it to play with the idea. Yeah, how about you?
0: Yeah, so Valvarad notes. Valvarad's great. Uh, I think... I just love how he, he just shows up. He's like, give me your driver. And then he just starts fighting him. Just great stuff. He beats the fuck out of Hotaro and just asks for the driver again. Uh, he's also got his dogs out in the dojo, which is sick. I love feed action. <laughs> uh, I, I, there's a literal kendo battle here. We also have a philosophical kendo battle between Hotaro and Spinner. It's really neat and i think it is like really well written but then when you compare it to everything that came before that scene and then everything that came after that scene it just feels so out of place yeah yeah um toys 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 we love toys there's more toys when he transforms into the apare scabose form he gets a new toy the gotcha tornado and it's just why there's a nice big explosion that we get at the very end of the episode and it makes up for the rider kick being honestly kind of mid a lot of stranger danger action going <laughs> on with both this episode and the next for different reasons we've got a a monster of the week here who uh, is creeping on a 15 year old child so man yeah more and more toys you know you got Valverde's toy this time uh, and I like that his gimmick is the Ultraman Victory arm gimmick, where Ultraman Victory had like all those different arms. Except this time, instead of uh, decades-old Ultraman kaiju, the the arms are based off of these chemis. Yeah, I think this episode really cemented for me that Rin is getting the short end of the stick here. Uh, you know, it's not like Kamen Rider has historically had well-rounded female characters i mean going back to even the very first show if you look at the women in that show yeah Rin here for me it's sad because the production notes as they mentioned before they're trying to put equal focus on her and hotara right and you know that's fine but the material she has to be given has to be good enough to to stand up to the, the arcs or at least need to work with the arcs that hotara is going through and in this episode we really just don't get that i feel yeah and then for me, the the final thought here is that I was foolishly tricked into thinking that this would be a two part episode. <laughs> so production notes for this episode: they want to delineate that it's not the chemis themselves that are evil; it's just that uh, Hotaru apparently lives in a town that's just chock full of bad people <laughs> that's ready so to abuse. Funny. It's like guys, guys, it's not the toys that are bad; it's, it's humanity. The people that miss you. you don't need to be such a cynic. <laughs> it's just so funny because. Zero One has this whole thing about, like, human malice. And then this is like, yeah, it's human malice, but it's because they're abusing the toy. <laughs> uh, a neat production detail I found is that there's this part in the episode where <laughs> Hotaro literally just lunges at a Spanner like Blanca. Like, if you've seen Blanca's moves in Street Fighter, he, he does that exact same, like, headbutt into Spanner's abdomen. And I f- found out in the production notes that uh, they actually wireworked it. Which I thought was pretty neat. It's one of the only uh,
1: legible pieces of action in this whole show.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll include the picture of them practicing in the uh, show notes. Oh, one more thing about production notes. The iPad Kid, which we're introduced to this episode. I've completely forgot, by the way, that we're introduced to a supporting cast in this episode. Yeah, they are have two nobody. Members. They show up for a minute and then they're gone. <laughs> but uh, the iPad Kid, as I like to call him, his name is Sabio But he has this AI that speaks for him because uh, he's very timid and meek uh, apparently he's voiced by the the actor himself it's not like a they didn't get like a, a voice actor or anything for that that's like the iPad kids actor doing that voice which I thought is cool you know like he it's a completely different register so it was really taken aback when I found out yeah I I have a production note that turned into a a me note <laughs> yeah, cause a there's one. this behind the, <laughs> there's a behind the scenes picture of uh, the actor that plays Minato the the teacher in this show uh pointing very like <laughs> angrily at the hopper one puppet and i wrote down like me when i've had enough of these fucking fake them on <laughs>
1: and that's a good segue to episode four yeah
0: episode four it is Hasegawa by himself again it is kyohei yamaguchi again and we have so many form debuts this Woo! episode that i'm not even <laughs> salt man <laughs> What are your thoughts? All right,
1: I got five notes. I can get these done quick. Um, why do you all the kaijin look like the same guy? I hate this. This is not the common Rider I know and love. Um, Gotchard fights this week's villain in the fakest-looking cave ever. Um, Gotchard's finishing moves are becoming increasingly impossible to visually decipher. Just the most mismatched messes of particle effects clouds and beams and and no actual guys punching i totally checked out during the exposition about rin's possibly not dead dad so i could look up pictures of canon Miyahari's beautiful face nice <laughs>
0: i mean not nice but also no it was a nice it was a better <laughs> use of, <a> better <laughs> I use I of my time
1: genuinely sure um, sure man then, all right i think my most emotionally charged note here is a lot of hotara's food before it looked delicious but that dish he cooked for Rin looked nasty like dog ass <laughs> dog water
0: that shit looks like fucking ass <laughs> who let you cook bro like that chicken was Lord undercooked kid, like, like what what is going on here yeah yeah there was that that was definitely a salmonella dish yeah yeah
1: (laughs) that's it this show is trying to break me
0: okay so for me this is where i want to go real real hard (laughs) get it Uh, so first off i i I mentioned earlier in my notes that uh i wasn't i didn't hate the pacing of the show before i'm still laughing about dog (laughs) one literal dog water literal dog water (laughs) um but yeah the pacing here is awful i i think the show is just going way too fast there's no reason for them to be having any of these arcs between these characters this soon into the show the show needs room to breathe and it really undercuts that entire emotional sequence between rin and hotaro again i was fooled into thinking this was a two-parter and Any and all threads from that previous episode uh, get resolved within the first few minutes of this episode. So, fuck your two-parter, I guess. One thing I thought was neat was that they actually made actual suit parts for all of Valverad's uh, forms, I guess. So, like, when you see the arm change, it is an actual, like, suit that they made. So, it's nice that they're actually using the budget at all uh, mm, for that. So, this is where my praise of Spanner ends. Of Valverad, I should say. So, last episode established spanner kuragane who turns into valverette as this like cool collected character this ideological foil to hotaro and you're like oh cool this is a cool character that i i can really you know i can i can really vibe with you know like he's he's the he's the bad boy right and this episode just ruins all pretenses of that
1: yeah it's gross
0: my first Spanner note is, Spanner, get away from her and get a job, you sick freak. And then my next note after that was, Spanner wasn't taking out that pedo. He was taking out competition. Because <laughs> the way that Spanner acts towards Rin in this episode, bad touch. It's not good, I, Again, Again, it's probably not what they were intending to do. But again, the execution of it just makes it seem like Spanner is wants to get close to with Rin in a very uncomfortable way yeah uh, Spinner doing a victory lap at the academy also doesn't help with that this guy is like a graduate he's a he's a green he's a green ring so apparently that means he's he's a higher level than any of our alchemy academy students so there's no reason for him to be there but he's there get away from her and then when he when he enters the and i keep saying alchemy academy alchemy academy it's also just one fucking room yeah we only see the one room it's like it's just like a tube that they're in like a circular thing that they're in they're in the dome and sorry that took away from what i was gonna say before which was that spanner says that like oh i'm not a student i'm equal to you minato okay then why are you here leave get out (laughs) no need to be around the kids bye God we get a bit more of our other supporting cast here, uh, Renge who is the sister character. I guess she she's got like a very older sister vibe. She's also the voice of your average ride kemi trading card collector both in this episode and last episode. Her lines are all about like her wanting to trade cards and sell cards to Hotaro, which could be comedic if it weren't for the fact that this show's toy line is just god-awfully exploitative. And then we get into the main conflict of the show, which is Hotaro and Rin getting lost in a labyrinth uh, in terms of our villain this time we've got the Dilf Hunter from episode one uh, taking place of our monster of the week yeah another nice thing I have to say uh, Eitoku as Hotaro, he really just nails the mannerisms especially as like he's running through the cave with Rin you can really like feel that that is a kid underneath the suit and not a 45 year old man so that I thought was really nice uh, great work, Eitoku. Keep it up. By this point, Ridden has this thing where she says like a line every time she alchemizes. And by this point, it's getting really annoying. She has to say the line every single time before she makes a move. And that's probably the reason why she ran out of energy by the last time she does it. <laughs> Having to say that wordy line every single time must have uh, really took a a toll on her. One acting note, because I do watch Gotchard with my friends when i when i watch it subbed and i was watching this with my buddy steve and he said that rin reacting to the news of her father being dead looks like she just got told that the mcdonald's ice cream machine broke (laughs) and that remark had me dying for a solid five minutes i figured I'd, i'd i'd put that in here that's good and then i followed that up with because the villain or, or or dilf hunter she says oh an expression of pure despair uh, y-, y you sure about that right
1: is that is that really what's there
0: i'm i'm not going to rag on the emotions cuz she does get better at emoting this episode actually both of them actually hotaro yells at rin at one point to run and that's like the first time where i really felt that the yelling on motojima's part really felt natural i, f- I feel like it's going to be very infrequent where we see that kind of like natural yelling Uh, And then once the waterworks start flowing, that's when you really see our actress start to emote. And I would normally be fine with this kind of moment, this like emotional connection between Hotaru and Rin, but it just feels too early in the season. To, to be doing this. I think it would have been much stronger later in the season. Even just the reveal of the fact that her dad is dead, I feel like shouldn't have been in the fourth episode of the show. I think that could have happened much later in the show and it probably would have been much more emotionally impactful. Here, you do get some of that emotional impact, but again, it, it's it's undercut very often. Uh, and then there's a moment where Hotaro helps Rin up. Like, he, he grabs her hand and pulls her up. And I didn't notice this until... I rewatched the first episode. There is a part in the first episode where Rin helps Hotaro up and they make a big moment of that cuz you, you know, it zooms in on the ring on her hand when she grabs his hand, right? Mm-hmm. And they could have done a callback to that in sort of the role reversal of that. And I think in other shows they absolutely would have done that. I think they would have, you know, made more of a deal out of Hotaro helping Rin up this time, but instead that gets no real focus, cause come on, you, you gotta, you gotta, gotta new bullshit CGI form there. No time for emotion when we have three fucking forms to debut this this episode.
1: Yeah, and it it really, it it really leaves an anti impression. I gotta say, like it, in the moment, it's just really off putting. But that the problem with that CG is not only does it leave a negative impression. It leaves a lack of an impression. Like, if I see a sloppy action sequence that at least has some well-composited CG or some decent practical effects, I can relate to you what I saw. Like, I, this stuff, like, has such a short half-life in my memory. Like, if I don't watch it within 24 hours, like, it just, it, it's, it's gone from my brain. But I can remember mm. episodes of other Common Rider shows that I watched months ago, because it's just frankly more memorable.
0: Right. And I think packing everything in all at once also plays into that. Cause there's just so much going on at once that when you think about like, Oh, what happened in episode two, we talked about episode two, what, like half an hour ago. And I already forget, you know, like <laughs> a lot of the things that happened that episode. I'm like, wait, Oh, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. That was the bike debut episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my final few notes on this, all All three of the forms this episode have zero sauce. The two CGI forms are just incoherent messes. Mad pilots, less so, but the Energy Maru form, just a complete mess in CGI. Uh, Venom Mariner, zero sauce. I'll talk more about that in our closing thoughts. Uh, In terms of music, surely Rising Fighter is not the only battle theme they have, because it's every single fight we have it's just this one song and again normally i'd be fine with rising fighter great song in and of itself but hearing it every single episode is starting to drive me nuts
1: yeah meanwhile we got three in the very first episode of zero one
0: yeah yeah. i'm not gonna make that comparison <laughs> <laughs> my last note is valverat shouldn't be allowed within 50 feet of a school bro is the common writer version of slade wilson all right, so very quick production notes. Uh, they want to. They just talk about how they want to differentiate Gotcher thematically from Geats and Revice, the two previous shows. Uh, the core of it is this idea of boy meets girl in a platonic sense, uh, in the sense of Hotaro and Rin sort of meeting in the middle of their opposing ends of the spectrum that they're on. Uh, Hotaro is supposed to be like this carefree, happy, optimistic side, and then Rin's supposed to be the sort of dutiful, rule-bound, straight-laced side. And so this episode was supposed to really bring that towards the middle concept versus execution i feel like that's another thing that we're going to keep uh seeing throughout this entire season uh the notes also focus on hotaro being a good listener and how it's a good thing for a high schooler to be a good listener just the having the ability to listen and hear others out and then they get real cheeky surmising how Energy Maru's potential rider form would probably just be a repaint of some pre-existing ninja rider or rider form. So it just really seals the deal of the suit design here. Yeah, that's it for production notes. And with that, I think we can move into our major thoughts for these four episodes for this first month of Gotchard.
1: Yeah. Uh. Yeah. If if there was like two main thoughts I haven't said yet that like encapsulate my frustrations with this... It's like looking at my tokusatsu journey as a whole. I started with Godzilla then branched out to Ultraman, Kamen Rider, and a few other little things here and there. And when I get into a new tokusatsu franchise, one of my first inclinations is to show it to my friends. I want to show it to them and say, hey, this is cool. Like, look at this cool moment, this cool thing happening. It's just self-evidently cool. There is nothing in Gotchard that feels cool like i cannot show this to people Mm. that's that's my major beef with it so far it's just it it doesn't feel exciting to show to people there's nothing that they haven't seen before right there's that and then you know it's existence compared to the common writer franchise i've heard lots of other people online aside from you saying like hey you can't compare it to other common writers but it's in the name it's in the name. It's called Common Writer. I, com- yeah, I can compare it to other Common Writers that I know and enjoy much more than this. And then yeah, I, that's fair. I, had, that's fair. I had my little note here about this doesn't feel real. This is Common Writer impostered. But y- you called me out on that.
0: <laughs> yes. Come on, man! Fraudshard was right there. That's
1: good. I like that. Common Writer Fraudshard. That's what this will be to me until it significantly improves in quality.
0: Oh, for me, uh, the main one is that I'm scared that this show will cliff jump in quality. Mm. Like again, I, I say all these notes, but I, overall, I'm still like enjoying Gotchard at a very, very baseline. Like I'm still enjoying it, I should say. Uh, so my main fear is just this: the show just cliff jumping in quality down the line. And I've seen this happen multiple times with various other Common Writer shows. But it really feels like f- with the way that things are being set up. There is this possibility of things just being thrown out the window by the time we get to, I don't know, December, right? So that's just a, a fear that I'm just going to keep having until we get to that point or get past that point. My major note for this season is about the suits. I have so many notes about the suits. I've gotten very used to the franchise of CGI. You've started to get more accustomed to the franchise of CGI. Yeah. I feel from the deep the deepest part of my heart that the wild forms are a genuine misstep. Oh yeah. That will probably be forgotten after the first quarter of the show. Whenever they introduce that super form, whenever that happens, I feel like the wild forms are just going to get thrown out. And the one comparison that I am willing to make is to Geats, And Geats' ability to really work around the excesses of the Reiwa era especially in the suit design so the main the main gimmick with geats is that there's a top half and a bottom half and so the main uh gimmick item are two halves of the buckle for this belt so you know you put on a buckle on the left side it turns into whatever your top half is and then you put in a buckle on the right side it turns into whatever the bottom half is right so there is like a lore reason for the suits being designed the way they are. And there's a lot of interchangeability too. Anyone can use the buckle. It's not just one common Rider. There's a lot of interchangeability. And the suits are designed with that interchangeability in mind. Here, it just doesn't feel like they put much thought into the gimmick here. The idea of putting two cars into this belt and you know, putting them together. There's no reason for you to be doing it, right? I mean, I know you hesitate
1: to compare to earlier seasons, but, like, this is very similar to W, except when W does it, it makes sense, and it looks cool.
0: Right, and I I think W and Geats are very similar in that fact, too, is that, like, one side equals one half, right? It's either the top half or the bottom half or the left half and the right half, right? But here you have one for each side, but they're supposed to amalgamate. I guess that's the whole point of the show is like it's supposed to be an amalgamation of these two things, but the suit designs never properly reflect that. And again, a large part of that is to appeal to the the toy design, the toy gimmick. But also it feels like the Reiwa era in all its kit bashing and whatnot, it feels like it's really just prepping a lot of these suits to be kit bashed. And these suits are being kitbashed to begin with. Like I note here in the notes that Venom Mariner's arms are taken from an earlier Kamen Rider build form or, uh, a spoiler here, Burning Gorilla, which is a form that we'll see next month. Uh, it comes from the Punching Kong form that Kamen Rider Vulcan uses in Zero One. And the more I look closer at these forms, the more I realize that There's two tiers or three tiers of forms here. There is the wild forms, the CGI-only forms. Like, we have three CGI-only forms so far. We have the extraneous forms, like Venom Mariner, which all have the very same torso, except for the emblem in the middle. Uh, And I'll include all these in the show notes just to better illustrate my point. And then we have what I consider the main forms of the show the important forms and you can denote which forms are actually important by looking at the chest because the chest area the the like chest piece there is actually varied in the mold between uh hopper, uh paris skibos and uh ant wrestler which we'll see next week again when i know that there's these three tiers to the forms it really just takes out all the juice from the gimmick this season and also just the idea of like chemis the entities and chemis the forms it really just devalues new form changes both in the volume of the form changes and also you know how half of them are wild forms when you have the core thing the core message of this season being like oh hotel wants to become friends with all the chemis you know that's this whole like arc right but then he gets these chemi friends and then he just uses them as interchangeable forms during an episode. It's like, oh, these are your friends, man. You're just swapping them out willy-nilly. What's going on, man? Uh, you mentioned before how it seems like the, the gimmick entails that there's going to be like a kajillion forms, but no. It, <laughs> it's only specific cards that work together. Yeah, like I, I really go back to the episode four because you have three form debuts, and why should I care about the suit that debuts that episode when it's being given the same amount of focus As the two CGI forms, right? Like when they're being given equal weighting, there's no reason for me to care about these form changes at all. Like I illustrate it with the uh, Energy Maru CGI form, which is just... It literally just looks like someone poured Fanta all over the screen. (laughs) Uh, And then we get to the villain designs. Yeah, you're right. These villain designs are not great. It's the same guy. Yeah, the same guy. It's the design philosophy of these... Of these kaijin exemplify the state of reiwa excess in my opinion just the idea of like keeping the same undersuit and then just swapping out torsos and arms and heads it's a similar affliction that super sentai has also sort of been facing but i think that super sentai thus far has done way way better at using that or like uh working around that i should say because the undersuits actually look good here the undersuits look like pinstripe suits it literally just yeah. looks like a, a bespoke guy in a pinstripe suit with a bunch of shit taped onto him. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the suit designers, the Malgam designers this time, the Malgam are the Monsters of the Week, are designed by Takato Yamashita and Masataka Shotsubo. Both, are, both these guys are from Plex. The first name here, Takato Yamashita, also worked on previous seasons, and they're, uh, they're Monsters of the Week. And like I see his... The designs that he did for the magia in Zero One, one and then i look at this and i'm like "Ooh, where's the sauce buddy you lost the sauce final note about the Malgams is i will make another comparison here is that they feel very comparable in design to the saber megid uh monsters just because of how much of that undersuit is exposed and reused but i think the megid work a lot better because of just how much nicer the undersuits are i feel like a lot of my problems with the undersuit reuse would probably be eliminated if the undersuits here actually looked nice. That's, that's really what it is. Uh, in terms of the alchemy in the show, what is alchemy? What is alchemy? You know, it, the show about alchemy doesn't feel very alchemical so far.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it also doesn't benefit from the fact that it stands in the shadow of like the great alchemy anime, um, mm. full mm. metal alchemist. Like it, that is about alchemy. It's themes and, and, it's aesthetics are present in, like, every frame, every storyline, and none of that's here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the show's bad by any means. I really want to like the show, but it just keeps throwing these curveballs at me that really make it hard for me to like the show. I think that the toy line, the more I learn about it and the more I, I hear about what the what toys are coming down the line, the more I hate it. <laughs> and I, I think it's the worst thing about this show. Uh, whoever the toy designers are for this show... Uh, I'll see you in hell, buddy. I'll see you in hell. And, yeah, finally, I find out that Hasegawa, one of the main writers for this uh, show, has already started apologizing for the show's quality on Twitter. I'll include the uh, some screenshots of the tweets in our show notes, but, like, it just makes me feel bad that he has to, like, apologize at all. Like, I don't think he should be doing that. Yeah, but, our, like, our ep- this
1: early to... Yeah, our episode title, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm doing my best, but please wait a little longer... That's that's from him, and I think that really betrays like quite a bit of pressure he must be under. Like he's he's working in like less than ideal conditions. Toei's not setting up for success. The the fans are clearly also annoyed. I just I I feel for the guy. That's all I'm saying.
0: I absolutely feel bad for Hasego, and I feel like I I just feel bad in general for a lot of the creatives involved in this show because it really feels like they're not being allowed to stretch their legs as much as they want to. I feel like this is the most pressure there's been from a toy line on the show itself. And it sucks because it really just feels like they're being handed the short end of the stick, you know, even in terms of like production quality and production design and, I feel like with a bit more money, they probably could have invested in better designs for the, both the suits and the, uh, the amalgams. It really feels like this, this show is being stunted by the, the people producing it. So I want to see how the show evolves. I really want the show to get better. But man, uh, does it have a hill to climb. I think that's
1: a good place to end. Thanks for joining us for Gotch Watch.
0: Yeah, next time we'll be back with Yukionaya Naya wrestling. More forms. So, so many new forms. And of course, more mid Malgam forms and suits. <laughs> if you like this episode and you want to support us financially, we have a Patreon, which you can find in the description of this episode. $5 gets you episodes one week early, as well as two bonus episodes of our main show, Midnight Grappler Animals, every month, uh, as well as access to our show notes for this episode. Uh, But if you don't want to support us financially or you you cannot support us financially, you can give us a good review on your podcast app of choice. Uh, please, positive reviews only. I know we've been hard on this show, but please don't be hard on us. (laughs) Or tell your friends too, if you if you think that they would value our thoughts on this show. Uh, Let them know that we're here, we're talking, we're watching, we're gotching. (laughs) Otherwise, if you have any other questions, comments, or suggestions for the show, you can email us at midnightgrappleranimals at gmail.com. That's also going to be linked in the description of the episode. Also, if you want to hear more thoughts from us in general, we have a Discord server. Again, another thing you can find linked in the description of this episode. Otherwise, you can find... The show's official Twitter page and Blue Sky page at MGA Pod or at MGA Pod. Social on both Twitter and Blue Sky. And then you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Land Tweets. Uh, though I prefer if Twitter just died. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can follow both of us on Blue Sky. Salt is salt. M Bank dot blue dot social and i'm lan skeets s-k-e-e-t-s dot bluesky dot social yeah that's it for this episode thank you for listening and as always keep on watching so we can stay gotching uh we really haven't figured out the uh that's great i love one. that you think so okay well we'll see we'll iron it out by next episode see ya